Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. This week, we're going to be continuing our Christ-centered mentoring series and talking about sharing truth-based messages. So whether you're leading a small group, mentoring in one-on-one relationships, or even speaking from a larger platform, just the importance of grounding everything that we share with others in the truth of the Word of God rather than just the trends of the culture or the modern church. Before we jump in, I wanted to remind you that February 15th is the deadline to save with early bird pricing for our 2023 Set Apart Conference. So if you're thinking about joining us this year in Colorado, June 16th through 18th, or anywhere around the world via Simon cast, this is a great time to register because you'll get the lowest prices available. Go to setapartgirl.com for more on that or click the link in this podcast description. Also, if you are looking for a way to supercharge your spiritual life, even in the midst of work and school and just the busyness of daily life, we now have Ellerslie Online available for a limited time. This is an online version of our Ellerslie Discipleship Training, and you'll have access to the material through August. So you can take the material at your own pace. It's great for couples and families to share together or just fitting that spiritual growth into the busyness of your everyday life. And if you can't make it out to Colorado for a longer season of training, this is a great alternative. You can register for Ellerslie online for a donation of any amount. Just go to ellerslie.com to learn more about that or click the link in this podcast description. Let's talk about sharing truth-based messages. When I am evaluating what to share on this podcast or what to speak on at an event or even what to share in an individual mentoring situation, a lot of people ask me how I come up with the material that I share with others. My criteria for what I share is actually pretty simple. I ask myself two questions. Is this grounded clearly and unmistakably in truth and in the word of God? Does it point the listener to Jesus Christ? Because I feel like no matter what topic I'm addressing, if it is grounded in truth, not just in a cloudy sort of roundabout way, but in a very clear way, and if it points the listener to Jesus Christ, then I've done my job as a minister of the gospel. If I'm veering in any other direction, then it's just empty words, human words that aren't going to last for eternity and may even lead people off the path that God has for them when it's just my wisdom versus the the truth of the word of God. I found in my years in ministry that there's often a lot of pressure to make your messages funny and relatable and use a lot of pop culture examples and everything that you say. And I realized early in my ministry that I just could not play that game. For one thing, that's not my personality. A lot of people can get up on a stage or sit down with someone and just be super engaging and funny and quirky. And that's just, that's not who God has made me for one thing. But also God would constantly remind me in the those early days when I was agonizing over how to speak and what to speak and what to share and what not to share, that it really just came down to truth. If I would immerse everything I was saying in truth and point others to him, I would have an eternal impact. And that has just saved me so many times from overcomplicating what I'm trying to share with others. And in this podcast, in different episodes, I've shared the story of one of my very first speaking events where I was planning a 30-minute message and it was really witty and funny and I had these cute little stories with it, but then they cut me down to four minutes at the the last day. And I realized I was going to have to cut all of that fluff out and just get up there and just speak 
the truth that God was asking me to speak. And I was able to do that in four minutes. I didn't crack any jokes. I didn't use any pop culture examples. I didn't tell any funny stories, but that truth came through and it made a tremendous impact just in those four minutes. And I feel like God used that very early in my life to show me how powerful truth can be when we don't try to weigh it down with just impressing other people with a lot of empty fluff. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with sharing stories and examples from your own life. That's something I do quite frequently or being personable and funny. If you have kind of that kind of witty personality to use that in conjunction with the spirit of God, it's not more spiritual or more effective to be purposely boring or super serious, but it doesn't matter what our speaking style or our sharing style. If we are not 100% committed to grounding everything we say in truth, basing everything everything we say in the reality of God's word and pointing the listeners that hear us back to Jesus Christ, it's very easy to just fill the space with a bunch of empty words that really won't leave anyone challenged or changed. They might remember us and a funny story that we told, but they won't have an encounter with Jesus Christ. I've been at a lot of women's conferences and women's events where that is the case. Maybe I was invited to speak there or just invited to attend, and I've noticed so many in the church today, so many women's events, maybe they have fun and maybe there's a little bit of encouragement here and there, but very rarely do they truly point women back to Jesus Christ or go deeper in truth. And that's why with the Set Apart Conference every year, that's been my heart, is let's come together with a unified passion to go deeper with Jesus and to go deeper in the Word of God, because that's really the only kind of message that's going to change a life anyway. So as we walk through this Christ-centered mentoring series, I thought it would be helpful to look at some common discernment traps for women today, messages that are really not completely biblical, but they've really crept into the church and you'll hear them a lot on social media and in messages that are more shallow or kind of blending pop culture with truth. And I want to just evaluate those against the word of God because it's just really easy in mentoring relationships to fall into that trap. And I think when we see the trendy messages and then we stack those messages up against the word of God, it reminds us how important it is to have everything that we say and influence others towards be grounded in truth, not partially in truth, but 100% in truth. Now, I covered some of these in a podcast that I did way back in 2017. And so if you you've been following this podcast for a number of years, you may remember some of these, but really in the context of mentoring relationships, contrasting the trendy messages of pop culture and the trendy messages of the modern church with God's word is actually really critical so that we don't, as mentors, unconsciously lead others astray. We can do that very easily when we aren't grounded in the word of God with what we say, when we become casual and sloppy with what we're sharing with others, just because we want to sound impressive. We need to remember, God says we will be judged more strictly. Those of us who teach, we have an accountability upon our lives because we're influencing others. And we should take that very seriously. Jesus says that we will give an account in the day of judgment for every idle word that we speak. So this is not something to take lightly. As I mentioned, there are a lot of messages in modern Christianity that sound good, and some even have an element of truth 
in them, but they are not fully grounded in truth and they often lead to deception. As I've mentioned before in other episodes where I've talked about discernment, if you look at Paul's exhortation to the church before he knew that he was going to be killed and he knew he had come to the end of his life and the end of his ministry, what he mainly focused on was saying, I need to warn you that from among yourselves, men will rise up with the intention of drawing disciples away from the truth. And so I have not ceased to warn you day and night with tears to be on guard against that. And that's fascinating to me that of all the things Paul could have shared with the church upon his departure, he was warning them not to be deceived by those messages that were rising up from within the believers, from within the body of Christ, that were not based in truth and that were meant to draw disciples away. He also talks about in another passage, weak-minded women who are easily led into captivity. They are gullible women because they're weighed down with sins and they just believe anything and everything that sounds good. And that that's very applicable to us as women who are mentoring and seeking to lead other women to the truth, that we don't become like those weak-minded, gullible women who just take in any trendy message because it strikes our fancy and sounds good, and we don't start regurgitating that to those we are mentoring and leading them astray. One example from my own life, this happened when I was in high school, and I was hearing this message from youth leaders and well-meaning Christians and books and magazine articles that I just needed to be me. So it was like the just be you message. And I think the intention was, you know, don't give into peer pressure. Don't try to be like, you know, whatever's popular in your school and change who you are just to fit in. So I understand where the message was coming from, but it wasn't really based fully in truth or in the word of God. It was based very much in humanistic thinking. You know, you're good, you're valuable. You need to tap into, you know, the beauty that you have inside of you. Just be who you are. And so pretty soon, the way that I took that message as an immature high school student is that I should just follow my heart and do whatever I felt like doing. And of course, the culture propagated that idea in my life. We always hear, follow your heart, do what feels right to you, follow your destiny, chart your own course, etc. And as I did that, I ended up making a lot of really foolish decisions. The Word of God says that when we trust in our own heart, we're being foolish. And that's exactly what happened to me. I jumped into a lot of unhealthy relationships. I spent my time on a lot of unhealthy things. I was around a lot of unhealthy people because I was, quote, just being myself and following my heart. So while it is important not to just conform to other people for the sake of trying to fit in, I definitely agree with that. When you just follow the trajectory of, hey, just be you, just focus on who you are, it veers you away from truth and you end up just being led by your whims and desires and emotions rather than by the truth of the word of God. So that leads me into the first of the trendy messages that I wanted to contrast with God's word. And you've probably heard this. This is something I've talked about before, but it says you need to build up your self-esteem and embrace your inner beauty and protect your sense of self. I remember being a guest on a motherhood podcast once and every two or three minutes, there was like a commercial or something we would pause and some sort of promo piece would come on. And mostly it was all about, you know, be sure that you protect your sense of self and here's a product or a book that will help you do that. And it's a very, it's a heavy push for women, whether you're in the young adult years, it's all about self-esteem and inner beauty, whether you're in the motherhood years or the career years, it's protecting your sense of self. And again, not completely off base in some regards, depending on how you take that. 
but very much not based fully in truth because Jesus' message says, deny yourself and follow me. It's not protect your sense of self or build up your self-esteem or embrace your inner beauty. Now, of course, that doesn't mean we go to the opposite and we have no value for who we are. And so that's where the truth comes in. We do need to value our lives and value the fact that we have worth to God because he created us in his image. He sent his son to redeem us. And so therefore, it's not that we're supposed to go into this self-loathing state. But it's very dangerous to focus on self-esteem and inner beauty and sense of self when Jesus has clearly said we are to deny ourselves and follow him. Matthew 16, 24, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, deny in that verse means to forget oneself, lose sight of yourself and your own interests. And we've had other episodes before on how to overcome insecurity. And really, this is the key right here. When you forget about yourself, you lose sight of yourself and your own interests. You're not worried about your self-esteem. You're not worried about your sense of self. You're not worried about your inner beauty. The only thing you're focused on is making room for Jesus in your life, getting out of the way that he would live fully in and through you and that other people would see him when they look at you. And that melts insecurity away because you're not focused on self. You're focused on Jesus Christ. You can reflect him to this world. And self-denial is not a popular message, especially for women today. You are not going to hear a lot of books out there, a lot of messages, even within the church that encourage women in that path of self-denial. And I think it's sort of a a knee-jerk reaction to the unhealthy pressure that we do feel as women in our society to look a certain way and be a certain way in order to be appreciated or valued. But the church knows that the culture is putting that unhealthy pressure on us as women. So they don't want to say, oh, you need to deny yourself. They want to say, oh, no, you're good. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. Embrace your own self-esteem. Focus on you as sort of a human solution to the unhealthy pressure of the culture. But Jesus' solution is very different. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So let's be wary of those messages that promote self-esteem over self-denial. Another trendy message you'll hear in the church today is that Christian women need to be free to share whatever they are thinking and feeling without being judged. Well, again, there could be an element of truth in there somewhere where we don't want to cultivate an attitude in the church where we can never share what we're thinking or feeling, or we're going to immediately be criticized and judged. That's certainly not a healthy version of the body of Christ if that's what's going on. But the problem with this message of just be free to share whatever you want to share, whatever you think, whatever you feel, just let it fly, is that it goes against God's principle of discretion. And again, this is something we've talked about before on this podcast, but if you Contrast that trendy message of women should be free to share whatever they're thinking and feeling without being judged. We overlook all of the scriptures about being discreet and being wise. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. God says to be discreet and honorable and edifying and Christ focused with our words, not to just spew out whatever we're thinking and feeling under the banner of honesty. So again, Proverbs eleven twenty two, as a ring of gold in a swine snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. And Proverbs twenty nine twenty, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. 
And Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So no corrupt word. And a lot of times what we see on social media, even Christian women's social media page, is that there's criticism and gossip and venting and complaining that happens there. And it's under the banner of, I just need the freedom to share this. And again, that's disregarding God's principle of being wise and discreet. Another thing we need to keep in mind is Paul's checklist in Philippians 4, 8. Whatever things are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report, anything virtuous or praiseworthy, meditate on these things. If what we're saying or sharing or posting does not line up with that checklist, it's not supposed to be what we're thinking about sharing with others or meditating upon. So the words we speak are very important, and it's just really easy to twist the idea of freely sharing honestly into something that is not biblical because it has no discretion or wisdom and it's allowing a lot of fleshly conversation and communication to come out under the banner of, well, this is just my right as a woman to share whatever I think and feel and nobody should judge me for this. James 3, 2 says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. So obviously the words that we speak are absolutely critical to our spiritual health. And while we certainly don't want to cultivate an atmosphere where no one feels like they can share anything in the body of Christ, it's gone in a very unhealthy direction in a lot of Christian circles. And we need to get back to what the word of God says about discretion. Another trendy message is this. It's better to dialogue and converse about spiritual things instead of listen to someone preach. After all, everyone's opinion is equally valid. There's been kind of a movement in the past, I don't know, 15 or 20 years against this idea of bold, powerful preaching. And I know when my husband Eric first started to, to preach at the church at Ellerslie and the sermons were online and, and they still are, but they when it was first starting, people were not sure what to do with his preaching style because it is very bold and very unapologetic. And it's kind of that good old fashioned preaching. And it was right on the heels of a slew of of books that had hit the Christian market talking about how preaching won't reach the culture, won't reach the church. It's outdated. It's old fashioned. Conversation and dialogue is the way to go. And yet God talks a lot about the foolishness of preaching being his chosen method to win souls and to boldly speak that truth without just being mealy mouthed about it. Now, of course, it has to be done in a Christ-like way because we've all seen people who try to preach truth, but in a non-Christ-like way, and that doesn't reach anybody. But this common trend of just getting together where everybody shares their thoughts, ideas, and opinions, no one is right, no one is wrong. We just all love and accept and listen to each other. That is not going to lead anybody to the truth. It might feel good. It might feel popular. It might seem like a really culturally relevant way to communicate. But when we're so mushy with truth that it's just a big conversation that doesn't go anywhere, it's not going to anchor anyone's soul to Jesus Christ. It's so easy to base our beliefs on our own experience and the experience of others rather than taking what the Bible says and believing it. And that's what a lot of people do. My husband, Eric, calls it backing into our belief system. He heard that from an old preacher or an old Christian books one time, and it just resonated because so often that's what we do. It's like we have had a bad experience with maybe a legalistic church or really harsh type of preaching of of truth that's not done in a Christ-like way. And so we back into the opposite perspective and say, well, all preaching is bad. We shouldn't be bold with 
our stand for truth, we should just converse and dialogue and no one's right, no one's wrong. We just love and accept each other. It, again, it sounds good, but it, it's a very experientially based way of approaching truth and it's not anchored in the word of God. It's really sad to me that with this whole idea that dialoguing, conversing is just as valid of a way to communicate truth as a seasoned preacher who's really spent his life digging into the word of God. That's sad to see that happening in the modern church because a lot of times Christians will treat just fascinating blogs written by young, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds in the church as just as valid as a really seasoned sermon delivered by someone who's a veteran pastor or missionary. And everyone's just kind of on this equal footing. The problem with that, though, especially with the internet, is, you know, people can post anything they're thinking. It doesn't have to be truth-based, but if it sounds profound and interesting, it'll get a lot of attention. Here's God's message. The only opinion that is right is one, and that is God's opinion. Unless we agree with God's opinion, our own opinion is worthless. Conversation and dialogue certainly has its place in the body of Christ, but God uses bold and uncompromising delivery of truth, not soupy and mushy dialogue to win souls for eternity. It says in 1 Corinthians one twenty five, the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And then Romans 3, 4, let God be true and every man a liar. And 1 Corinthians one twenty one, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Usually when truth is boldly spoken, and you can study this throughout Christian history, it's not trendy and popular and cool with the culture. And so one of the problems with this way of thinking, let's just all have a big dialogue about everything, is we're trying to be accepted by the culture and still somehow squeeze a little bit of truth in there. And I think it's very interesting that Paul talks about the foolishness of preaching. When we boldly speak truth and we're not just trying to be mealy mouth and hip and cool with it, we usually look foolish to this world. We usually will make some enemies. We usually have people who don't approve of it. And yet that has been God's chosen method to awaken souls ever since the New Testament days. So we can't shy away from that just because we think, you know, we want to be more culturally sensitive. Another trendy message is be yourself boldly and just be you and let the world deal with it. Now, this harkens back to what I mentioned earlier when I was in high school. A lot of popular books for women talk about this and even some popular ministries that really have an influence over young moms really focus on this. Just do what you want to do, be who you are, and just let everyone around you just deal with it. It's almost like this inconsideration for anyone around you so that you can just barrel forward with your own agenda. And I think the the intention is probably to just liberate women from feeling so encumbered by people's idea of what spirituality should look like. So I understand where it's coming from. The problem is it leads to a very fleshly version of living. God's message says this, when we choose to follow Christ, we are no longer our own. We have been bought at a price. And Colossians 3.3 says we have died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, hidden in this verse means to conceal and to escape notice. Christ's amazing work on the cross did not just set you free to be you. He set you free from yourself so that you no longer need to be controlled by your selfish fleshly whims. Because of his work on the cross, you are free not to just be you, you are free to be fully and completely his. And that is a beautiful reality that so often gets twisted by this just be yourself type of message. It's important to realize that your individual personality and your specific likes and dislikes won't disappear when your life is hidden with Christ, but they're no longer supposed to be the focal point of your existence. When people look at your life, they should primarily not see you, but Jesus. 
they should see his nature, his attitude, his love, and his life. Your job is not to fight for your own individuality and try to just be you boldly. It's to fight for his glory. And here's what Elizabeth Elliot had to say about it. Very straightforward. The world looks for happiness through self-assertion. The Christian knows that joy is found in self-abandonment. If a man will let himself be lost for my sake, Jesus said, he will find his true self. Now, that is the opposite of the trendy messages we will hear today. We're trying to find that true self by looking within us. And Jesus says, if you let yourself be lost for my sake, if you are hidden in Christ, that's when you will find your true self. So I love that. Another trendy message that we have touched on in other podcasts is this. Stop trying to please everyone else. People pleasing is a sin. Don't jump through hoops for others. You don't have anything to prove. Just live your own life. It's kind of a spinoff of the just be you and be yourself boldly message. But it's basically like, who cares what other people think? Do your own thing. Don't worry about trying to serve or love or please others. God's message is different. He says we are called to serve those around us, those he's brought into our life. We are called to put aside our own interests and consider the other person's highest good. It says in Romans 15, 2 and 3, each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification, for even Christ did not please himself. And he had every right to because he was Christ, but he chose not to. And he set an example that we would follow in his steps. If you look at this verse in Romans 15, to please our neighbor means to strive to please, to accommodate ourselves to the opinions and desires and interests of others. That is very counterculture because we're taught not to do that. It's like, no, don't be a people pleaser. Don't pour your life out for others. Don't try to please others. And yet here is Paul saying that is exactly what Christ did for us. That is what we are called to do for others. Now, of course, there's a caveat with this. Our motive for serving and pleasing others have to be correct. We're not trying to gain other people's approval or applause through serving, but to honor and serve our beloved King Jesus, to pour out for others the way he poured out for us. And of course, we see that in Ephesians 6, 6 and 7, that we're not to serve with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. So that's talking about how if we serve and love and give to others, it's not to be impressing others or to court other people's favor that we do that. It's to do it as to the Lord, as an act of worship to him because of all that he did for us. Paul set an example in Philippians 2.17, where he said, even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the service and sacrifice of your faith, I rejoice. So here is Paul pouring his life out on behalf of the church, and he is rejoicing in that. He's not thinking, oh, I've tried so hard to please you guys, and I shouldn't have been a people pleaser. I shouldn't have been serving you. I should have been thinking more about myself. That's not his message at all. He's rejoicing that he's had the opportunity to be poured out for them like a drink offering. Those are just some examples. I could go on for multiple episodes on trendy messages that don't really line up with the word of God, but we so easily buy into them because they sound interesting. They seem to kind of make sense if we look at it from a certain angle or they're spoken kind of eloquently on someone's blog or in a book. But if it doesn't truly, completely, and wholly reflect the truth of the word of God, we should not be buying into those messages, nor should we be sharing those messages with those that we are mentoring. If you hear a message or read a blog or see something in the Christian world that just subtly feels not quite right, it just feels a little off, you don't really know why, the thing to keep in mind is that most deception does not come with a big neon sign that says this is a deceptive message. It's usually quite subtle. And I believe that that is why 
why Paul had to warn the early church before he died, night and day for three years with tears so that they wouldn't fall prey to that deception. It's usually very subtle, usually has some truth mixed in with it, so it's harder to recognize. There was a group in the New Testament called the Bereans, and they searched the word of God daily to determine whether the things that the apostles were sharing lined up with the word of God. And they were so excited when they realized, wow, everything that they say is reflected in the word of God. And that's what we are called to be, that Berean Christian, digging into the word of God, finding out what his truth says about anything that we're possibly confused about. I remember Eric and I being at a publisher's banquet a number of years ago, and almost every other Christian author that was at this banquet, very, very well-known Christian author, some of the who's who in Christian writing at that time, and this was probably 15 or 20 years ago, but it was interesting because every author that they invited to get up and share at this banquet had a message that had some truth in it, but it had a lot of deception woven in. Just those subtle things that veer away from the word of God, but just sound really good to the human ear. And this whole entire author's banquet, every guest that was there rose and gave these authors standing ovations every time they got done speaking. And yet those messages were not based in truth. All they did was tickle the ear and deceive the heart. Let's not as mentors and as examples of Christ fall into the trap of buying into those subtly deceptive messages that are creeping into the church today. The way to avoid those traps is to be fully grounded in the word of God. As it says, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We can't treat the word of God as an afterthought, as something to tag on when it's convenient. We can't measure our spiritual growth by reading all of these other books that have been written by people and neglect the word of God. We have to make the word of God our lifeline. So be alert, be aware of trendy but off-track messages, and anytime you hear a message that you're not sure about, line it up against the Word of God. You will never go wrong when you point your listener back to truth, and even if what you share with them is not quite as exciting or seemingly culturally relevant as what another person would share, if it is based in truth, and if the goal is to lead them to Jesus Christ, you will have an eternal impact on their lives. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into these truths, I invite you to visit us at setapartgirl.com and check out the many resources that we have for you there. If you look at the online mentoring program, there's an entire course on Christ-centered mentoring that can take these truths even deeper and make them more practical for you. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.